This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hard to be energetic today as we watch uh, what's unfolding across uh, the United States, excuse me, across from the United States and Afghanistan. Um, Very sad day, uh, scary day. And for those men and women who serve in the military and also their families, one of those days that's... um, well, kind of haunting. It It is a day that you watch the TV and you watch the the um, coverage on social media and you just uh, hold your breath. So welcome to the uh, Pro-America Report today. And I have, a, again, I have a hard time feeling uh, particularly good or energetic about things today. Um, we just have to buckle down, say our prayers and um, try to figure out the best way to go forward. And, you know, I mentioned yesterday, a lot of people were predicting uh, that something like this could happen. A lot of uh, experts were saying, "Yep, yeah, this is something that could happen. And, um, but, um, I think, I mean, I heard you, I hope you heard me say yesterday, we need it. We need to hope and pray that this gets better. Um, we need to hope and pray that there is, there are people in our highest level of our government, our military that can get, can get control of this. Um, and the only lesson, if I can say, um, in this to me is that weakness begets weakness, right? Weakness becomes, um, perception. It's almost like, um, uh, you know, uh, perception is reality. Uh, once you're perceived as weak and unable to kind of get a grasp of things, um, things, you know, people take advantage of that. And so the reports are now that, um, you know, I don't know, it could be up to 60 people died, um, at least uh, 12 military men. And I don't know if it's all men. I haven't seen that coverage, but it's 11 Marines and one Navy corpsman, um, some others wounded that may still, we may still see more fatalities. So just totally haunting haunting images, haunting um, deaths, and it is, um, well, it's beyond belief. And I, the, the one thing I want to pause on is is to say again, um, we have to hope and pray for better. We have to hope and pray that things get better, um, that the leaders get better at what they're doing and try to get control. But um, we have to be careful uh, not to celebrate um, the failure, meaning I, I didn't, I didn't think Joe Biden was up for the, to the job either. Uh, but it's no time to celebrate right now. And I was rereading, uh, General Mike Flynn's book, uh, Field of Fight about the threat of, um, the kind of terrorism we're seeing and his approach to it. It probably bears, uh, remembering that, reminding ourselves about that and what is possible. I mean, you know, one of the real tensions right now, in our nation is the fact that we're trying uh, to fight a war periodically. I mean, for 20 years we did, but we're trying to address serious threats. Uh, but with real-time media, um, you know, you kind of wonder how well people are able to um, to handle what they see. In other words, are they um, are they backing off from what needs to be done in part because they are uh, seeing things that are so terrible? Um, I, that feels like that is part of what's happening. Um, it feels like part of what... Um, uh, people are are um, are going through, uh, but it is really really troubling. Now, um, let me say this: uh, I, I think there's a couple of things we have to be aware of. Number one, 
we want to get out of Afghanistan, right? That is the right move. So anybody who's now saying, oh, let's go do this or that or the other thing, I think they're wrong on wrong, the, the approach is wrong to say we have to somehow re-engage. Uh, but at this point, we're actually in something of a um, of a hostage situation. There's still plenty of uh, men and women in our armed forces that are behind, uh, that are stuck there. And we've got to figure out what to do about that. By the way, the, the book, again, is I mentioned it in Field of Fight, uh, How to Win the Global war against radical terrorism, radical terrorism, radical Islam and its allies. The chapter that uh, General Flynn recommended last week was how to win. And um, what does winning mean? And how do we accomplish this uh, is what he starts out with. And he goes through a list of that. And then he goes through how you have to win. Um, But here's the thing. The primary requirement for winning any war is the willingness, determination and resolve to win and do the necessary things required for victory. At the moment, we have a president, this is written in 2014, who said, incredibly, what what I'm not interested in doing is posing or pursuing some notion of American leadership or America winning. Now, I don't know where that quote came from, from Obama, but that's the point here. We have to be willing to win. We have to be willing to do what it takes to get our people out of there. And uh, at this point, we have, you know, for hours and hours after the events of today, we didn't even hear from the president. The British prime minister spoke to his people. Other uh, international leaders spoke to their people. And we're wondering. We're waiting and wondering, wondering what the story is. So um, now, again, back to my point. One, we don't want to go back to war in Afghanistan. We do not want to be drawn back into a war. That would be the worst possible outcome for us in this situation to get drawn back in in some dramatic way. Imagine we go racing in to try to do something with more military and we find out that we do it halfway and we end up with a situation like Black Hawk Down back in the um, uh, Somali uh, era. So be careful, you know, as we get as we get angry to see what happened to our people. Uh, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm all for condemning the botched handling, the botched um, um, evacuation uh, of Afghanistan. We should name that. Biden will own it throughout history. Um, it's not going well for him. But right now we got a problem. And the, the problem is twofold. One, we've got people that are vulnerable in Afghanistan that need to get out. And two, we've got a world that now perceives us as so um, weak, or at least as as uh, headed by uh, someone who has such weakness, and that's a major problem because the next attack is going to come now. It feels like, and I hope again. I hope we should hope it's not. We should hope that there's not another attack in Afghanistan or anywhere else. But it feels like it will be. And you know what? Let me ask you this: Under Donald Trump's time in office, did you worry about terrorism? I don't think we did. I think it was off the table, in part because he dropped a couple of Moabs, the mother of all bombs, they call it, in in Afghanistan, I think, and he bombed some folks in Syria. And I think people thought, holy cow, this guy's uh, kind of a cowboy. So those are the two problems we have. We have a problem in Afghanistan. It's got to be addressed. It's terrible now. It's worse and worse. But we have an international problem where I think other nations and other and other terror elements are going to move against us. And we have to get ready for that. And our response cannot be Biden's an idiot. That's not sufficient. Our response has to be who can lead? How can we do it? We've got a country here. We've got a nation. 
we've got to come together. It's not easy because I think people are really frustrated uh, by what they've seen and what they're heard, what they've heard, and what is happening. So um, it is uh, a challenge. But today, I, I, I just don't want to fight too much over the um, over the uh, um, the. Uh, uh, the the actions of the uh, of the of the people in the White House that have been so terrible and so disjointed. I just don't think it does any good. But we have to uh, move on. We have to move on. And we have to. Uh, I you know I, I'm I'm thinking about. I know that we've got one more show before the weekend, but it feels like the weekend's going to come. And uh, you know we have to get to our churches and our synagogues, our places of faith, and we have to re- renew ourselves in, in in prayer because this is a really really dark time now. And and again, the presence of the evil in the world is nothing new, right? We know that's happening, but the reality of the of, of the presence of evil, the problem is we have a a, a um, inability and to so many of us so many of us are living in places and we're hearing from people who are not um, uh, acknowledging the evil the evil is always going to exist it's what we do about it it's how we bring light to the situation that matters and what we're seeing right now is that we're not having a lot of light bringing and you know that some of that comes from the political leadership I know but it has to come from our faith communities and our homes and our communities of, uh, of leaders leaders among us that's what's got to happen uh, to us and for us uh, every day. And I hope that this weekend will be a part of a renewal for our faith communities to say, get focused on what's happening and get ourselves renewed in that way because it's so important. It um, It's a scary time. It's a dark time. There's a lot of darkness around and we've got to be light. We've got to bring light. Uh, we'll do that. Now, we got a couple interviews today. We're going to go forward with them because uh, we have great guests that were lined up. We'll talk about some key issues. We'll talk about the nation uh, with our old friend Joe Johnston, who's written a book called The Decline of Nations. And we'll also... Um, uh, visit with uh, a pro-life leader about what's happening with pro-life. So we'll take a break when we come back. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, sign up for the emails, get clued in on our great speakers, and um, listen. Number one, first and foremost, is um, say your prayers. Say your prayers. God bless America, especially God bless our troops, and, and Lord bless the family and those men who have died uh, for us in these days. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back, welcome back, Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report, and uh, we have a very it's been a it's been a uh, incredible week, a lot of things going on, and it feels like I I just kept trying to get this uh, guest in, and uh, Jim Sedlak is the executive director of a very important uh, organization, America American Life League, and uh, American Life League is um, has been in the fight, and in fact maybe I'll make him tell me some of the details on on that, and and uh, for pro life uh, for decades. Uh, welcome, Jim. How are you? Thank you for your patience. I know we had some tech. Technical difficulties. You've been very uh, kind. So, welcome to the program. No problem, Ed. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for asking me to come on. So uh, I wanted to get an update on, um, you know, we're in this uh, Biden administration. There's a million things happening. It's hard to keep track. Um, will you? I know one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, Planned Parenthood and taxpayer funding. Get an update on that. Before we do, tell me a little of the history of the American Life League, please. Sure. The American Life League was founded in 1979 by Judy Brown and her husband and five other couples uh, to particularly fight against abortion in the United States and to fight against abortion with no exceptions. Um, And and it has stayed true to that uh, from its very beginning. 
Uh, Judy Brown has been instrumental in the pro-life movement here in the United States. We're a Catholic organization, um, and uh, she has served three terms on the Pontifical Academy for Life, appointed twice by Pope John Paul II and once by Pope Benedict. And so uh, we've been involved in a lot of things, not only here in the United States and around the world. And I always tell people we talk about the Mexico City policy all the time, but Judy was actually there in Mexico City at the time that the policy was put in place. (laughs) <laughs> wow, yeah, that is a great history. She she has a great uh, history. All right, so tell us about, um, there's a website, stop, S-T-O-P-P dot org, and uh, I'm on it right now looking at it, and it's uh, the headline is Planned Parenthood Taxpayer Funding, an update, and you're the author. We're talking again with Jim Sedlak, who is the executive director of, of the American Life League. Tell us, give us an update of what the Biden administration is trying to do, what's happening. Uh, it's Biden plus Pelosi and uh, these liberals in Congress, but give us an update on taxpayer funding for abortion. Well, sure. First of all, Biden and Pelosi are trying to expand beyond even the numbers that I'm going to tell you today, because they've just gotten in an office and these are these are past numbers. It takes a couple of years to get the numbers. But according to the General Accounting Office of the United States, they got asked by members of Congress to come up with numbers. And what they found is that over a, a three year period, uh, Planned Parenthood, you know, for example, uh, well, they got a total of some uh, $600 million in taxpayer money uh, from five, the most of it from five different programs. One was Title 10, the family planning program. And although Trump eliminated that the last year he was in office, uh, Biden is trying to put it back in. And that accounted for about $60 million a year. There is something called the Teen Pregnancy Prevention Program, which is basically sex education in the schools. They got $7.2 million a year for $7.2 million a year for that. There is the uh, Maternal Health and uh, Services Block Grant to the states, another $5.2 million. And the Affordable Care Act Personal Responsibility Education Program, sometimes called PREP, which is another sex education program for $3.4 million. Uh, the most surprising thing on the list was the Women's and Children's uh, Special Supplemental Nutrition Program, in which Planned Parenthood gets $3.2 million a year to be part of that program. Um, it's just absolutely ridiculous the, the places that they find money going to Planned Parenthood. In their last annual report, they reported that their their total taxpayer income was $618.1 million in one year. Uh, we're talking again with Jim Sedlak uh, and the website stopp.org. Uh, Jim Sedlak is the executive director of American Life League. Uh, Jim is... Um, and and Biden and others, moderate, so-called moderates, you know, Biden was in the Senate for 40 years and periodically was on abortion, was somewhat moderate, at least for a Democrat, but no longer. Um, is there any hope of uh, of moderates in the Democrat Party saying this isn't a good idea? I mean, you know, uh, you mentioned that American Life League is fighting and abortion, period, you know, but a lot of Americans come further towards the life position when they say, oh, I, I want to, you know, I don't want to outlaw it, but I want to, I don't want taxpayer funding. And sometimes you kind of, uh, even some Democrats will be like, huh, that might be better for us to do. Are there any moderate Democrats that are willing to, to come in the direction of supporting the Hyde Amendment and, and, uh, and defunding Planned Parenthood? 
Well, not many. Uh, there, there is the, the senator from West Virginia who, uh, who uh, you know, will sometimes vote with us, and that's about it. And since it's a 50-50 split in the Senate, um, his vote is absolutely crucial. Uh, in the House, no chance at all. The, the Democrats have too much of a majority in the House. And one of the things that Democrats are very, very good at is keeping their people in line. Uh, they make sure that people vote a party line or they take committee assignments away from them. They take chairmanships away from them. They really penalize them if they don't hold to the party line. So um, it's it's very close. You know, elections have have impact. And certainly the last election had an impact. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to 2022. But just this week, this, the House of Representatives passed a bill. Uh, the $3.5 trillion budget bill for fiscal year 2022, and it doesn't have any of the protections of, of, of tax, no taxpayer funding for abortion. In fact, there's millions of dollars more that they, they were going to be able to spend if the Senate agrees. And the, the, it's a budget process. It's, it's what they call a reconciliation bill, so it can't be filibustered in, in the Senate. It has to be a straight up and down vote. And if they get a majority, right. they win. And with 50-50, their chances are, are, are good that they're going to be able to push it through. Hmm. It is. Um, Jim, how do you fight the um, how do you fight the, um, the what, what feels like a sort of growing problem that um, too many people that are pro-life just sort of move on they don't even realize this is happening i mean you know this is a huge huge moment a watershed moment the left and the pro-aborts have been wanting this forever to get rid of the Hyde amendment to get better access because you, you and i both know we'll get a pro-life house and senate and they'll be uh, half the time it's hard to get them to mow they want to do tax cuts instead of uh, protect life so but but it feels like a lot of uh, pro-lifers are sort of missing this this moment and i i, I don't know whether it's because under trump uh you know conservative pro-lifers got a bunch of good judges and they think you know we've made a lot of progress or i don't know what to think of it but it feels like it's hard to keep everybody kind of motivated enough well i think one of the problems in motivation is that the the majority in fact just about all the pro-life bills especially in congress and in a lot of them in, in the states um have exceptions they say well abortion is all right if a baby isn't 15 weeks old yet or abortion is all right if it was conceived by rape or incest and people start getting the opinion well it's we we don't need to get rid of all abortion we need to get rid of some abortion sometimes and and they get discouraged why do i want to spend my time fighting for that uh and and we really need to reach out to people and say no you know we got to fight to stop every abortion Every human being created in the womb was created by God for a particular purpose, and we have no right killing that person for any reason whatsoever, and our laws should reflect that, and our Supreme Court should uh, say that, that a human being in the womb is a person like any other human being in the country and is entitled to all rights and protections of the Constitution. It's not overturning Raid. Overturning Roe v. Wade doesn't do anything except throw it back to the states. It still allows babies to be killed. We really need to be out there fighting for what we want, which is the protection for every single human being in the womb. Uh, we're again. We're we're. Uh, I want. 
Right, exactly. I want to make sure to, to say again and again, and I'll put it up on social media. The website is stopp.org, stopp.org. Uh, and um, what, where do you uh, recommend? I guess that's one place right there to that website. But does American Life League have a, a website that you recommend people go to sign up to? Yeah, absolutely. STOP is, is the, uh, the program of American Life League that, that fights Planned Parenthood. We also have a regular uh, American Life League, which is simply ALL.org, and you'll find all okay. kinds of information about all our programs there. That's ALL.org. Hey, hey, yep. ALL.org. Okay, Jim Sedlak, Executive Director, American Life League. Jim, thank you for your time and for all you do, and uh, we'll track it. We'll have you on again uh, very soon. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Ed. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. I'm really looking forward to talking to my old friend, uh, Joe Johnston. That's really mean of me because he's a new friend for about a year or so, and just he happens to be a little bit older than me. But anyway, his book is The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. And since I read it, I'll tell Joe, I think I've told him already, I read it once whenever I had him on the show first, maybe 10, 8 months ago. I don't know when it was. The book only came out earlier this year, but I had an early copy. And I've read it probably three more times in chunks. I've gone back. It's the beginning of the book. It talks about when you see nations decline, he, he goes through Rome and the British Empire, and he talks about what happened. Then he talks about where America is. Then he talks about what can uh, happen going forward. So welcome, Joe, to the program. How are you? I'm fine, Ed. Thanks very much for having me. Well, it's good to have you. Now, we're all sort of um, overshadowed a bit by what's happening in Afghanistan. And uh, one one way to ask you about that is it's very simple for uh, folks to say, oh, you know, such and such, so and so, well, you were nation building. And you know, that was a phrase people used. But it is true that you, when you go around the world, you just can't uh, really um, understand or, or plan around the culture of other people. And I guess one one thing is, when you wrote your book, Decline of Nations, you had Rome and, and, and the British Empire, and you're talking about America. Is the nation uh, only really effective for the West? Is that is that part of what the problem, what, what the reality is with some of these other cultures that are not Western in the same way? Well, the problem is of decline is, is difficult and complicated, and I did give examples of Rome and Britain and others. And in the United States, I gave several examples of evidences of decline or things that could lead to decline, such as fiscal irresponsibility, uh, a deficient educational system, social decline, decline of the family, decline of religious and moral values, decline of law and order, uh, fast illegal immigration, and breakdown of law and order, and so forth. But since the book was written, which was actually a year ago, it's gotten much worse. For example, in the, in the last year, in 2020, we saw serious breakdown in law and order in our cities, violence, rioting, looting, and murder, which uh, our, our public officials were unable or unwilling to control. We have seen a continuing decline in our educational system, uh, radical and divisive theories such as critical race theory, 
and a distorted version of American history, which teaches that America was founded on racist, racist basis and continues as systemically racist, which is not true. We've seen uh, serious fiscal irresponsibility. The Congressional Budget Office projects a federal budget deficit in 2021 of $2.3 trillion, or 10% of GDP following a 15% deficit recorded last year, the largest since World War II. Uh, we have seen continuing uh, open borders, tens of thousands of illegal immigrants, and also vast number, amounts of uh destructive drugs. I was listening to Ken Cuccinelli today on the radio who was talking about the the, the drug problem. The, the borders are basically in the hands of the drug lords. And then finally, as you mentioned, we have this disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, which is dishonorable and, and uh, just awful, which is a, a basic failure of leadership. And it's something that should not have happened and, and is going to result in terrible consequences going forward. It's true that, that perhaps we should not have stayed in Afghanistan after 9-11. We, we could have gotten out, but we didn't. And several administrations, the Bush administration, uh, the Obama administration, the Trump administration, have stayed there. We spent a lot of money, a lot of time. We built up a lot of in infrastructure. We hired a lot of people, and we have a lot of allies and, and civilians over there who have supported us and are dependent on us, and it's simply unconscionable for us to just walk away and abandon those people, to be tortured, raped, and killed by the Taliban or by this latest ISIS organization that struck today. And we, we lost several Marines, uh, other Americans, and many others were killed, and many will be killed because we didn't do it the right way. We should have yeah. kept our military in there. We should have kept Bagram Air Base and provided a ways to get out of there in a serious basis, but we didn't. We we're talking again. What we, yeah, we're talking with Joe uh, Johnston, uh, Joseph F. Johnston Jr. His book is The Decline of Nations from Republic Book Publishers. Um, Joe, you mentioned uh, one of the things is decline in education. And you and I have talked a lot about this, that, um, you know, somehow it's not somehow in the last 25 or 30 years, the education system just so dramatically changed what it was teaching and how it was teaching. And I remember asking you a, a few months ago. You know, how, how do we go forward? And and part of your kind of uh, response was, it's hard to do when you have millions who are totally sort of maleducated. I mean, is that is that the real problem of decline? The rest of it, you know, poor leadership by Biden, poor leadership by X in Congress or Y in uh, state houses, that's going to come and go. And, you know, you can hope that it'll be rolled back and forth. But an electorate that's um, so maleducated, I don't know how you, you know, I mean, what can, how do you change that? How do you, how do you survive that? You have to start from the ground up, Ed. You have to start at the school board level, and fortunately, some people are beginning to be aware of that. It's happening in Loudoun County, Fairfax County, right here in northern Virginia, where I live, because what's happened is the public school unions and the, and the, the education crats, as they're sometimes called, have gotten control of the public school systems. 
all over the country. And they right. have dominated uh, the public school system. And they can, the school boards have, have lost, lost the ability to control, and the parents have lost their ability to control the school boards. They're teaching critical race theory. Uh, they're teaching a, a distorted version of American history, which is portrayed as bigoted and hateful and so on, which is simply not true. Uh, recently, a teacher was in Loudoun County was suspended for telling children of the truth about their gender. Another teacher quit because she was required to teach critical race theory and transgender radicalism, which were contrary to her own personal and religious beliefs. And that's what's happening in our school districts. And the reason is the parents have let that happen and the voters. And you've got to start from the bottom up and simply build the educational system so that the local people, the parents, whose children are, are actually at risk in this system, are able to control what's happening. Uh, we're talking again, Joe Johnston. His book is uh, is The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. So, um, Joe, when a nation is in decline, when you looked at Rome, you looked at the, the British Empire, first of all, two things. The British Empire, it happened fast. I mean, that decline, it kind of was maybe the the point, what your point was lots of things that happened in there, but it seemed to happen fast. And this, the, But the other thing I want to ask you is, is um, it, do you need a crisis to change it, to shift it? Is it, a, you know, World War II, well, actually, they bombed Pearl yeah, Harbor? Actually, yeah, it, it, yeah. it didn't happen yeah. that fast in England. No. For a long no. period, England had, a, had, a, had, a, had an empire. It was a relatively strong empire and a relatively free empire. I mean, they didn't really uh, dominate the colonies in a, in a terrible way. They left them relatively free. We, sure, had a little trouble with George III and had to get out of that, but the, Amer- the Anglo-American legal system goes all the way back to uh, Magna Carta, and it was a pretty good system. They lost control after World War One, and then particularly after World War Two, when they adopted socialism, which was a disaster, right. and wrecked the British economy. And then finally in the 70s, it was in such bad shape, uh, Britain was called the sick man of Europe. And Margaret Thatcher was elected, fortunately, and she turned it around in the 1980s. And now Britain, they've lost their empire, sure, which they couldn't hold on to because it was just too vast and expensive. But they have returned to being a a relatively prosperous nation, uh, which is relatively in good hands. So those things can change, and it can change in this country, too. All you need to go do is to go back to the basic founding principles. First of all, you have to decentralize and go back to a federal system, which our founding fathers gave us in the first place. And as I said about education, you have to start from the ground up and have local control rather than this gigantic behemoth in Washington, this administrative welfare state, which nobody can control. And that, and there's a little sign that we've begun to realize that, but there's a lot of work to be done. 
It's uh, it is it's daunting to me, uh, Joe. Joe Johnston. Unfortunately, amazingly, we're out of time. Time flies. The book he wrote is "The Decline of Nations: Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World." Uh, and I have, to, I can tell you, it's one of the mo- more important books I've been reading this year. I keep going back to it, so you should check it out. Um, a lot of what's happening around us, you can recognize, and then the question is, how do you take some of the steps to fix it? So, thank you, Joe, for the time as always, and for your insight. And we'll talk again soon. Ed, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I really enjoyed it. All right, Joe, we'll talk again soon. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. That's Joe Johnson. The book is The Decline of Nations. And uh, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. It's the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. It's often said that water is one of the most powerful forces on planet Earth. With time, water can wear away mountains and remove the strongest boulders. True power in politics is much the same. Only instead of water, true power comes in the form of pressure. Have you ever worked on a political campaign and felt the tremendous pressure coming from all sides? It's like being on the sidelines at the Super Bowl or ringside at the World Heavyweight Boxing Championship. This political pressure is no accident. It is a very intentional strategy used every day to bring down even the best figures in American politics. Radical leftist community organizer Saul Alinsky famously said, Keep the pressure on. Never let up. He theorized that the best way to take down a powerful enemy is with constant political pressure. Whether this pressure is coming from personal attacks, scandals, or outright lies, the most important thing is to never give an opponent the chance to catch his breath before you come at him from another angle. Alinsky said to alternate between different kinds of attacks so the opponent never knows where the next punch is coming from. While we as conservatives do and should wholeheartedly reject Alinsky's questionable moral proclivities, we should recognize the way these attacks can affect our friends in office. Liberals don't play by the same rules that conservatives do. The smartest thing we can do is to know their rules and learn to counter them. The simple fact of the matter is that if a conservative titan is taken down by the left, it will not be from a single sensational release from a special investigation. Instead, his greatest threat is death by a thousand cuts. The left knows this is coming, so conservatives should too. Don't fall for the so-called conservatives who shrug off certain issues, saying that it's not a hill worth dying on. When the left takes a hill, that only means they're getting ready to come for another one. Conservatives should not give up the fight before it even begins. If we do, death by a thousand cuts will be our fate. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. These culturally relevant commentaries, along with videos, columns, and bulletins, are waiting for you at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Plus, find, follow, and share our news and views on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's wrap things up with a couple of stories that people sent me this week. Uh, one is, uh, so one that caught my eye, and I want to talk about this broadly, is across the country, there are people undertaking uh, efforts 
that I believe will give us confidence in elections going forward. And this is exciting because you've heard about the things like the audit in Maricopa County and the efforts down in uh, Fulton County in Georgia. And those are good. There's there's efforts. Those are serious efforts. But in different pockets of the country, we've seen people take up uh, different aspects of of the issue of, of confidence in elections. For example, in Virginia, my friend, retired Colonel John Mills, took up this effort to give people a way to uh, engage in checking the voter rolls and have the tools to do like a FOIA request and then to seek uh, answers when the FOIA request doesn't get fulfilled. It's very effective. Colonel John Mills, I've had him on the show and I'll, I'll post up his um, segments again. And then in different parts of the community, you have candidates uh, and uh, elected officials who are doing things. I know down in Texas, a couple of the local candidates are doing things. So there's positive things. Well, another one of the groups I wondered about this is you hadn't heard much since the election from Catherine Engelbrecht and True the Vote. So True the Vote is an extraordinary effort. TrueTheVote.org is the website. But True the Vote is an extraordinary effort by Catherine Engelbrecht. To just push election integrity. They've been doing it for years. Started in the Tea Party era. And very effective. Lots of different approaches. Lots of things going on. Big organization. Lots of volunteers. Lots of people that are engaged. Well, one of the things that True the Vote has been doing quietly, and it's only now become publicly known, is they have been going through for months now and trying to figure out who was doing the pickups at many of these um, so-called, uh, what do they call them? They call them uh, drop boxes, right? So in certain states, the Democrats manipulated the rules, sometimes legally and sometimes, I think, extra legally, meaning sometimes legally because they got the laws changed. Other times they manipulated the law, meaning that they got either judges or, or Democrat-leaning election officials to go their way. But there were lots and lots of these drop boxes. Well, True the Vote has done an analysis of some of the uh, of the data that's available publicly about how, who was going to those drop boxes. And they've done it by, those are public places, right? So they're public places. And if you go and you can look at sort of the, I guess it's it's called um, like GPS, but it's like um, uh, geofencing. And you can look at what entities came into a space when it's a public space. And lo and behold, they're finding out that there are certain phone numbers and certain uh, uh, smartphones of the, the same one being used repeatedly to drop boxes. And one of the accusations, which again, we, we haven't seen these accusations hold up in court, doesn't mean that they didn't happen. I mean, we don't know. Could be wrong, could be right. But there was always a suspicion that these drop boxes were used uh, as a drop box for people who were going out and filling out ballots or gathering ballots and then filling them out. You know, over in California in the recall, there's a, a one of the ballots. I don't think all of them are like this, but some of the ballots that have been sent have a hole in the envelope. And if you put your a ballot back in the envelope the wrong way or the right way, you can see if you voted yes on the recall. Well, if you pick up a ballot from someone who says, I just voted for Biden and you like Trump, aren't you going to be tempted to throw it away? Or vice versa, it seems, feels more likely to me, you're a, a, an official, a, a, a worker for the Democrat Party and you're picking up ballots and someone says, yeah, I just voted for Trump. Aren't you going to throw that away? So the question becomes, who are these people? 
And again, could be totally legal. In some states, it's now illegal to uh, what they call harvest ballots, which means you go around knocking door to door and you say, hey, if you haven't voted, uh, fill out your ballot and I'll take it for you. I'll be the one that delivers it for you. That's called ballot harvesting. It happens a lot in California, by the way. And a lot of states are trying to ban that and say, hey, no, no, the person's got to do it themselves. Uh, But in this last election, there were certain people who, again, could be legal. I can't be sure. But it certainly looks uh, suspicious if the same person is delivering, I don't know, thousands. It looks like uh, at least dozens of times someone is coming to the Dropbox. Now, it could be that's just a do-gooder who goes and says, oh, you're in an old folks home. Fill this out and I'll take it. Or it could be something else. And in the long history of election fraud, it looks like something else to me. And uh, so good for True the Vote. I want to, again, encourage Catherine Engelbrecht. um, And more importantly, broadly speaking, wherever you are, Local action, national impact. Local action, national impact. You can go to the local community and say, hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. It's going to make it easier for us to uh, to clean up the voter rolls, to make things work better, whatever it is. It works really well. So that's the point of uh, the effort to do, uh, to do, allow and to foster and encourage people that are doing all these different uh, efforts to bring more confidence to our elections. Very important thing, important to do, and uh, I'm glad that people are doing that. All right, everybody. Listen, we're going to uh, have to go be back tomorrow. Uh, sad day. Lots to think about. Say your prayers, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Let me say thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, and Joanna for booking our guests, and you for listening. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Thank you for listening. God bless America, and God bless all of our troops and their families in this difficult time. God bless. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.